Those actions were brilliant. At what age do we start waving to our parents when we're up the front? It's a real shame. So just in case my mom, hi mum, just in case she's watching. And it is lovely to be with you again. It's lovely to see David and Zoe again. And we have reserved a, a parking spot for you. If you ever wanted to defect back to Larne, you are very welcome. Uh, but we do bring greetings uh, from the church at Larne Baptist there as well. And thank you to Caleb for reading our Bible passage this morning. But before we get to the Bible passage, I want to show the children a picture, okay? Now, as soon as you see this picture, you'll think of a type of animal. Now, usually in church, you're encouraged not to shout, but I'm going to allow you just this once to shout. So, what do you see when you see uh, this picture? Oh, sorry. What do you see, children? Duck. Anything else? A rabbit. Okay, so some of you saw a duck, is that right? And some of you saw a rabbit. Well, I'm going to ask the adults now, hands up, what did you see first? How many people saw a duck first? Okay, oh, quite a lot. Okay, and how many saw a rabbit? Uh, So more people saw the duck. Well, some people can only see a duck, and some people can only see a rabbit. Some can see both. They can see a duck, and then they can flip very quickly to see the rabbit. And there are experts that claim that what we see can tell us about the type of person we are. So I'm going to show you a few more images, and we're all going to learn a bit more about ourselves this morning, okay? So get ready. You don't need to shout out this time, but I'm going to show you the image. Now, this is for everybody. Put your hands up if you saw a penguin. Okay. Now put your hands up if you saw a man. Oh, okay. So experts say that if you see the man first... It means you're very social, okay? You have a lot of friends, but sometimes you can be a bit, a bit easily led. Yeah, you agree? Yeah, okay. And you have trouble making decisions. Now, some of you are deciding, I, can't, I don't know if I can make decisions or not. Now, if you saw the penguin first, it means you're like this. You're intelligent and wise. And you know that for good things to come to you, you have to be patient. So we're going to do another. Now you're getting the idea of this. Okay. So put your hands up if you saw an apple first. Okay. Now put your hands up if you saw the two people's faces first. Oh, okay. Well, if if you saw the apple first, it means you're happy and content with what you see in life. Okay, if you saw the two faces, it means that you think relationships are the most important thing in life, but you're going through a period of uncertainty. (laughs) And I would suggest you maybe need to run a marriage course because there's a bit of difference there. So we'll we'll do one final one, okay? So put your hands up if you saw the crocodiles first. Yes, that's most people. And put your hands up if you saw the bird. Okay. Do you all see the bird now, now that I've said that? Yes. Okay. So if you saw the crocodiles, it means you try to be in control of every situation in your life. However, if you saw a bird, it means you're more comfortable taking orders from other people. Okay. Is this right? I see a lot of nodding. Okay. Well, according to the experts, one side of our brain tells us one thing, and the other tells us something different. And which side we listen to 
tells us about the type of person we are. Now, before you either start boasting, you know, about how wise and friendly and how strong a leader you are, or, you know, you start despairing that you're easily led or indecisive or unhappy, let me just say, I don't place a lot of faith in these images, okay? But this morning, we're going to look at a Bible story which reminds us of the importance of who we listen to. And the Bible is a source we can trust because it's the Word of God. And I'm sure you all know about Moses, but for this morning it's helpful to just recap what had happened leading up to the story that Caleb read for us there in Exodus 32. And it all started with the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people. So they were a nation he had selected to be holy and to fulfill a purpose. And there were so many Israelites in the land of Egypt that the Pharaoh, who's this big boss in charge, he started to panic. He was worried that they might try to take over. So Pharaoh had a plan. He made the Israelites slaves. Then he had an even nastier plan. He decided to kill all the Jewish baby boys. So Moses' mother put him in a basket and let it float down the river Nile, and she hoped that God would look after him, which he did because Pharaoh's daughter found him, and he was raised as a prince in the Pharaoh's palace. And Moses left Egypt when he got older because he actually killed an Egyptian. He saw this Egyptian beating a slave so severely, he lost his temper and he killed him and he fled Egypt. And he got married and he worked as a shepherd for 40 years. Then one day he saw a burning bush and he heard the voice of God who asked him to save the Israelite slaves back in Egypt. And he wanted, them, he wanted Moses to lead them to this amazing place called Canaan, which God called the promised land. And of course, do you think Moses was happy to go back to Egypt where he killed someone or a bit scared? What do you think, boys and girls? Was he a bit scared to go back? He was a bit scared to go back because people might go, that's Moses, he killed a man here. But he finally agreed to go back and he was going to take his brother Aaron with him. So Moses returned to Egypt and he asked the Pharaoh to free the slaves. And do you know what Pharaoh said? Pharaoh said no. And this made God very angry and God sent the ten plagues. Have you all heard of the ten plagues? The ten plagues and there were frogs and insects and boils and lots of terrible things. And after the tenth plague, Pharaoh finally told Moses, take the Israelites and go. So the Israelites packed up, they left Egypt, and they followed Moses and Aaron. But then you know what Pharaoh did? He changed his mind again, and he chased after the Israelites with his army. And the Israelites were trapped. Did the Red Sea in front of them? Did Pharaoh's army coming up behind them? And God told Moses to lift his staff, and when he did, the Red Sea parted to let the Israelites cross safely. But then when the Egyptian army tried to cross him, the sea came crashing back down and killed them all. So the Israelites were now free. They were no longer slaves in Egypt, but they were wandering the desert. And do you know what they did? They complained and they grumbled, and they moaned. They complained to Moses about God. They said it would have been better to die as slaves in Egypt than to wander the wilderness. But rather than punish them for being so ungrateful, God showed mercy, and God took care of them. He led them safely through the desert and provided food and water. But the Israelites still complained and grumbled and moaned. 
because they had sinful hearts and they didn't really act like a nation of God's chosen people at all. So God instructed Moses to bring the people to Mount Sinai where he would tell them how they needed to live if they wanted to enter this promised land of Canaan. And after three months of traveling, they finally set up camp at the foot of this mountain, Mount Sinai. And it was here that something really amazing happened. God spoke directly to the Israelites and gave them the Ten Commandments. And these instructed the Israelites on how they should live. He also reminded them of everything he had done for them, and he ordered them to obey him. And the Israelites were so thrilled to hear the actual voice of God that they promised they would. They promised they would only ever listen to God and only ever obey him. So that very quickly is the story so far. Now I'm wondering, has anyone here met a celebrity? Adults as well. Anyone met, apart from me, has anyone met a celebrity? Has no? Yes, who have you met? You're regretting putting your hand up now. Yeah, yes. Princess Diane. Oh, no one's going to be able to top that. Anyone, anyone else? Yes. Oh, this is, the, hang on, this is the, the trendy row. Yes. William and Kate. William and Kate. Oh, my goodness. He's moving some circles. <laughs> William, any actors or musicians or anything like that? Nope, just, wait, well, don't bother in car. Just royalty or nothing. Okay. Well, Imagine meeting a celebrity. You don't have to, but imagine meeting a celebrity. How would you feel meeting them? How did you feel meeting Princess Diana? Over the moon. I'm sure you were nervous and excited all at the same time. And if Prince, did Princess Diana speak to you? So I'm assuming this was how long ago? I don't want to say you look 25 to me. How long ago was this? 35. And she spoke to you. Do you remember what she said? You remember, should I ask, what did she say to you? <laughs> Talking about getting her dress things. There you go. And you've remembered that 35 years later. Well, now imagine you were one of these Israelites. How would you have felt if you were there at Mount Sinai and you heard the actual voice of God, who's far more important than any celebrity? So a few days after speaking to the Israelites, God told Moses to come high into the mountain and he would give him some tablets. Now, not this kind of tablet, not that kind of tablet, but this kind of tablet, tablets of stone, onto which God will write the Ten Commandments so the Israelites will never forget them. So Moses climbs the mountain and leaves his brother Aaron in charge while he's gone, which should be a fairly safe thing to do. Aaron has been with him through this whole journey. He has seen the power of God through the plagues. He's seen them being delivered through the wilderness. So it should be fairly safe to leave Aaron in charge. But Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights in the mountain with the Lord. Meanwhile, the people back down in camp were waiting for him to return. And after a while, they began to wonder, is Moses dead? It's been a long time. And if Moses was dead, what does that mean for them? Does that mean God's abandoned them too? Does that mean that God's going to leave them at this mountain to die? Could they even trust God anymore? And they'd forgotten the misery they'd lived in as slaves in Egypt. And they'd forgotten that everything that God had done for them since. And these people had experienced so much of God's love. He'd freed them from slavery. He'd fed them. He gave them water. He sheltered them from the sun. He led them safely through the desert. He'd even spoken to them. 
But instead of trusting the Lord, they began to guess what? Complain and grumble and moan. And this probably started with a few people. You know what it's like? A few people complain to someone else. And you can then decide, well, am I going to listen to these people or am I going to ignore them? So should these people have listened to the other people who are complaining or should they just have ignored them and trusted God? What do you think? They should have trusted God. That's right, but instead, they joined in with the complaining and grumbling and moaning. Then they went to Aaron, and you know what they asked him to do? Caleb read it earlier. They asked him to make them a god to worship. A god to worship. And the Bible tells us that when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. This man who's led them to freedom, and they're just this fellow. They've forgotten about him. So what should Aaron say? Boys and girls, if the people came to Aaron and said, make us another God, what should Aaron say? Should he say yes or no? Should say yes, I'm getting this here. That's right, he should say no. But what does he say? He says, yes, I'll do that. So should Aaron have listened to the people who were grumbling and complaining or moaning, or should he have listened to God? Should have listened to God, that's right. And how quickly they had forgotten the very first commandment God had just given them. You shall have no other gods before me. And the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or an idol. And here they are making an idol to worship instead of God. They're breaking both commandments in one go. And does anyone know what it's called when we break God's law? Does anyone know it's a three-letter word we, we call it when we break? Yes, sin. That is right. We call it sin. And sin is what separates us from God. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, that's terrible. I would never break a commandment like the Israelites did. But maybe that's not true. The sixth commandment is, you shall not murder. Now, you're sitting there thinking, well, I've never murdered anyone. At least I hope you're sitting there thinking, I've never murdered anyone. But you know what Jesus says? That if you think in your heart you hate someone, you've broken the sixth commandment. To God, hating someone is the same as murder. But what about the ninth commandment? You shall not bear false witness. Do you know what that means? That just means you shouldn't tell lies. And has anyone here ever told a lie? I know I have. That means I've broken that ninth commandment. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That means you, that means me, it means your Sunday school teachers, the leaders here at the church, everyone. And the Bible tells us there was only ever one person who didn't sin. Who was that? Yes. Jesus, that's right. And Jesus was tempted every day, just like we are. But he never gave in to that temptation. He never sinned. He never disobeyed God's word. So unlike everyone else here, Jesus had no sin. So if we go back to our story, Aaron's job while Moses was up on the mountain was to show the people what God wanted them to do. But instead, here he was helping them disobey the commandments. So Aaron asks the people for their golden rings, he melts them down, and he carves a figure of a calf. Not this kind of calf. That belongs to him. This kind of calf. 
So Aaron broke God's commandment and made a golden calf. And the people were delighted with the golden calf. And they began to worship. You know what they said? They said, look, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. This piece of gold is the God that brought us out of Egypt. They'd only just made it. That wasn't there when they got out of Egypt. That wasn't there during the plagues. That wasn't there when they were bringing through the desert. This is the God that brought us out of Egypt. They'd forgotten all about God. They'd forgotten about the one who actually led them out of Egypt, the one who spoke to them. I think back to what we were saying earlier. If you met a celebrity, would you remember what they say? Yes, of course you'd remember. You'd never forget what they said. And the Israelites had already forgotten what God had just said. And instead of worshipping the one true God, they worshipped a lump of gold. And I'm sure no one here would worship a golden calf. But maybe there's something else that takes God's place in your life. Maybe it's your friends. Are you more interested in pleasing your friends and pleasing God? If they ask you to do something, you think, I'll do it to please them. But maybe what they're asking you to do doesn't please God. Because God says, love me with all of your heart. And maybe something else is taking God's place in your life. Maybe it's music or television or the internet or your phone. If you spend more time thinking about these things than you do about God, they're taking the place that he should have in your life. And who or what we listen to says a lot about us. And you'll hear loads of different voices. It'll be friends, it'll be song lyrics, it'll be TV shows, it'll be movies, YouTube. And all these voices try to pull you in different directions. And mostly these directions are away from God. And when Aaron saw how much the people loved the calf, he realized he'd helped take the focus away from the one true God. Maybe he realized, I've made a mistake. So he decided to build an altar in front of the statue and said, tomorrow we will have a special feast to honor the Lord. He tried to draw attention back to the one true God. And Aaron thought it would be okay if the people worshipped the calf, as long as they worshipped God too. But we know that that doesn't work. Nothing is equal to God. Nothing or no one else deserves our worship. And if you're a Christian, even if you're a very young person here and you're a Christian, God must be first in every part of your life. If he isn't, then we're breaking his commandments. That means he must be first when things are going well for us. If you think of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with God, but the devil came along and told them they didn't have to listen to God. And look what happened. Sin entered the world. And also, God must be first in our lives in times of struggle. When things get tough in our lives, who should we listen to? The devil who doesn't care about us, who the Bible tells us is the father of lies and like a roaring lion seeking out people to devour? Or should we listen to God who loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us so that we could be saved? And you know, I'm a parent. I'm sure a lot of you here are parents and they only ever want the best for our children. We say things like, don't touch the fire. Don't pull the dog's tail. Don't jump over your brother on a bike. I've said all of these things many times. Why? Why have I said that to my children? Because I don't want them to get hurt. And God is our heavenly father. That's why he gave the commandments. He didn't want to see his children get hurt. And we need to listen to him because he only wants what's best for us. 
And God tells Moses, Moses is up on the mountain while the people are worshiping the calf, and God tells Moses exactly what the Israelites were up to. And he even says to Moses, that's it, and threatened to destroy the people for their disobedience. And Moses, he got on his hands and his knees and he pleaded for the Israelites. He asked God for mercy to spare the Israelites, which God did, because God is merciful. So Moses returns to the camp with the stone tablets on which God himself has written the commandments. And what a sight greets him. People are worshiping the golden calf. They're drinking and dancing and running wild. And all the while, Moses has been up on the mountain speaking to God and begging for mercy on their behalf. And Moses is so cross, you know what he does? He throws the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them. Then he goes to his brother Aaron and confronts him. And do you know what Aaron does? Aaron lies. Aaron says, well, I did take the gold from the people. I I did throw it in a fire. But then this golden calf came out. And doesn't Aaron know by now that God sees everything? And it's the same with us today. We might think we can lie or steal or say bad things about other people and get away with it. But God sees and knows everything we do, everything we say, and even everything we think. And how does Moses respond? He melts down the calf again. He grinds it into powder and he makes the Israelites drink it. Wouldn't that be horrible? Then Moses says, whoever is on God's side, join me. And one of the tribes of Israel, the, the Levites, they responded. They stood up and Moses, do you know what he did? He told them to kill those who had forgotten who the true God was. And 3,000 Israelites were killed that day. And that shows just how seriously God takes sin. But it also shows us something else. God had mercy. God could have wiped out the whole nation, but he showed mercy. And those who repented were saved. And God's word, as we said earlier, says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's Romans 3.23. And Romans 6.23 continues with this, that the wages of sin, so the wages are what we deserve, what we earn, is death. So what we deserve for our sin is death. And if God gave us the punishment we deserve, we'd have absolutely no hope. Because remember, all have sinned. And what we deserve is punishment, to be separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell. But the great news is, this verse in Romans 6 doesn't end there. It says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And but's a very small word, but it's a very important word, isn't it? God is still merciful today. This God who showed mercy to those Israelites is merciful today. And he has made a way for us to escape that punishment. And if you're truly sorry and you want nothing more to do with sin, you can be forgiven today, this morning, right now. Well, how can that happen? Well, this verse doesn't end there either. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God in his great mercy and love made a way for us to be forgiven for our sin. And that way, the only way, is through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And remember how I told you that sin separates us from God and that Jesus was the only person that never sinned? 
Well, because Jesus is the only person who never sinned, he was the only one who could take the punishment that our sin deserved. He was the only one that could bridge the gap caused by the sin between us and God. And we can have forgiveness because of his death on the cross and when he rose back to life again and he is alive today. Jesus has already taken your punishment, but you need to say sorry. You need to trust him with all your heart. So this is a question I want to leave you with. What about Jesus? Now you know that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only hope of being forgiven for your sin. What are you going to do with him? And I want you all to really think about that. And if you have any questions, please speak, speak to myself. You can speak to your parents. Speak to one of the Sunday school teachers or one of the church leaders. But you know, this isn't just a question for the children here this morning. If you're an adult sitting here and you don't yet know Jesus as your saviour, please don't leave the church this morning without speaking to someone about how you can make that decision to follow Jesus. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to meet together again and to hear from your word. We thank you for your patience, for your love, for your mercy, that mercy you showed the Israelites, the mercy you still show us today. And we ask that each child, young person, and adult here this morning who doesn't yet know Jesus as their Savior would call upon that mercy by inviting him into your hearts, by asking for forgiveness for sins, and by living lives that please you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing again, so I'm going to hand over to Joel uh, before I think Stanley's going to come up and lead us in communion. Thank you.